Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey friends, Bill Press here. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. I want to be sure you know my new book is out. Uh, Not so subtle. The title, Trump Must Go. The top 100 reasons to dump Trump and one, maybe, to keep him. It's available anywhere books are sold. Um, Best place to get it is go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Special discount there for ordering the book and a way that you can add your own reasons to dump Trump. Let's do it now. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All right, let's do it. It is The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today, coming to you live on October 12th, a Friday all day long. Don't look now. Fall is officially here. I walked outside this morning. That that nip in the air, that crispness, better than the 90-degree October days that we were having earlier this week. It was so nice out. It was so nice out. It is a beautiful quintessential fall day outside. And it's perfect here in here in Washington D.C. Anyway, how did did your pumpkin spice latte this morning taste? Extra good, <laughs> it Peter. Extra. When you're when you're drinking your pumpkin spice latte and it's ninety degrees out in October, it just doesn't feel right. It's not the same. But now, I fully embrace pumpkin spice. I had pumpkin spice coffee with my pumpkin spice creamer, with my pumpkin spice <laughs> waffle, with my pumpkin spice uh, bacon. With my, with pumpkin, my pumpkin, pumpkin spice perfume. Pumpkin spice perfume. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, I'm wearing, I'm wearing I, my I, pumpkin I, pants. I'm actually wearing, I'm wearing my pumpkin pants. <laughs> I'm wearing my pumpkin pants. I wear my pumpkin pants because it's fall today. So everybody can. <laughs> so everybody grab your pumpkin spice lattes and pull up a chair. I had a whole other outfit planned and I walked outside and I said, oh. <gasps> It's fall. I ran back inside and I dressed like a jack-o'-lantern. I had to go back inside because and, and dress in my, got in my orange pants. Because things got spooky in D.C. yesterday. Oh, hang on. I, I, when I stood up, I pulled myself out. What did you say? I said because things got spooky Things got spooky real quick. Real quick. Things have been spooky here in Washington for quite a while if you haven't been paying attention. Uh, we've got so much to talk about. I want to talk about how the Democrats, the Senate Democrats, specifically Chuck Schumer, failed you yet again. Uh, I want to talk about the latest from Hurricane Michael, which has left a uh, devastating situation in Florida and in parts of the South. Uh, and I want to talk about our big boy president, Donald Trump, uh, who had lots of crazy things to say yesterday, but weren't nearly as crazy as his new best friend, Kanye West. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, before we get really cooking here, I want to read this story from Quartz. Quartz, uh, they took a look at the members of the United States Congress because they are required to report the value of their household's income and assets. 
The most recent data that courts could get their hands on was from 2015. Now, the average that the uh, members of Congress, your members of Congress, the average worth is $1.1 million. $1.1 million. Now, that's average, by the way. That's average. So you hear a lot of people talk about, like, oh, this person, you know, they. They are not as wealthy as other people. They're not doing as well as other people. Talked about Nikki Haley a lot. I know she's not a congressperson, but like you know, sure, doesn't in the come same from like realm. a super yeah. w- super wealthy family. Not like John Kerry, you know, who who had tons and tons and tons of money. Daryl Issa, uh, that is the one point one million. That is twelve times greater than the net wealth of the median U.S. household. And by the way, that's for Congress. For senators, it's three point two million. Is the average, the average, and again, this was back in 2015, which is before they passed a massive tax cut, which would benefit them, very wealthy people. So you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, trying to be of the people. And, I understand the plight of the oh, average American. I, in the words of Bill Clinton, "I feel your pain." No, they don't. No, they don't. They have nothing to worry about money-wise. They've got all the money that they need. Uh, and again, I'm telling you, the numbers are probably worse than that now. This was from three years ago. So uh, God bless America and this great system we've created here. Uh, lots to talk about. We're going to take a very, very short break, and then we're going to dive right into it. Stay tuned. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today on a Friday, October 12th. Thank you for tuning in on another wacky news day. Uh, (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. Let's just begin, first of all, by saying if you're listening to us in Chicago on WCPT, welcome. Thank you. Uh, by the way, I, I just—I was talking about the fall weather we're having here in Washington D.C. Apparently, it's in the twenties in Chicago. It's just winter there. Yeah, like they just jumped straight to winter. So Chicago, bundle up and uh, sit next to your radio. You can, if you sit close to the radio, you can feel my heat emanating through. Because we're so angry. It's coming through. <laughs> it's my my heat. I'm sending you energy through the radio right now. Put your hands on the radio <laughs> to feel my heat coming through. Chicago, stay warm out there. Uh, but if you're, if you're listening in Chicago, remember you can always watch the show, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, and also on Free Speech TV, if you have Dish Network or Direct TV or Roku Box or uh, even streaming online, any, any way you want to watch us, uh, we've got it there. Also, don't forget, we put up our podcast right after the show and... We put up our podcast over the weekend as well. We have one um, in the hopper, ready to ready to uh, unload tomorrow morning, Saturday morning. Uh, it's an interview with Alexander Kaufman, a writer for the Huff Post, who wrote about our EPA director and how he is essentially a Fox News grandpa who goes on Facebook and likes uh, racist memes. 
He'll give us all the all the details of that uh, uh, tomorrow if you are subscribed to the podcast. But today, oh, do we have some things to talk about today? I'll be doing it with all of our uh, favorite guests who will be joining us. Uh, Brittany Shepard from Washingtonian will be in studio with us here in just a little while. Plus, Clyde McGrady, uh, my uh, my fellow Southerner, will be here. Uh, for the start of the second hour, and then Jack Jenkins from the Religion News Service. Who Jack Jenkins, viral superstar. Jack Jenkins not only is a phenomenal writer on all things religion, Jack Jenkins just had to go to the Apple store yesterday in Georgetown, and when he did, he happened to meet Kanye West. The first mistake was going to the Apple store in Georgetown. In Georgetown. It's a no. It's a, it's a hard pass. Don't if you do are it. ever in D.C. and you need to run to the Apple store, don't pick that one. Don't go to that one. Don't go to that one. But I'm but glad he did off. because he was there with none other than Kanye West. I, I Ray, I told you earlier, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about Kanye West. We're going to talk about some. But yesterday, <laughs> Kanye West went to the White House for one of the most bizarre things that we've seen yet in the Trump administration. And I don't know how many times I've had to say that. This is one of the more bizarre days for the Trump administration. But yesterday was truly, truly bizarre. And there are a couple things that I took away from it. Uh, The way that they did this is, so Kanye West and Jim Brown, former running back for the NFL, who is also a known wife beater, who has been arrested or has been multiple claims made against him for beating women. Running theme with some NFL players, it seems. And friends of Donald Trump and Mm -hmm. people that are in the White House. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, they all had lunch together. And then Kanye West and Donald Trump and Jim Brown go into the Oval Office. And Donald Trump sits at the Resolute desk with Kanye West directly across from him. And they brought in as much media as they could possibly fit in to this room around them. And just sort of improvised to say the least it sounded like an empty chamber of words it was weird it, 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 uh, Van, our buddy Van Newkirk who I often reference on the show and who's a guest of the show said yesterday I'm just sort of out of reactions at this point like I don't even know how to react to this I was annoyed I was mad I was bummed out I was I was entertained I was entertained I was all of these things. There's a college thesis floating out there somewhere about the intersection. uh, Like just this week, this crucible-like week from Taylor Swift to Kanye West to Donald Trump himself and how it's all influencing the entertainment factor of politics. So much of their meeting focused on Kanye's support of Donald Trump and how he can do it and why he does it and... It was just insane. It was just insane. So uh, uh, Con- one of Kanye's first defenses was basically, if Donald Trump looks bad, then we all look bad. And so he sort of like, he. this is a point where he like stood up and got very animated and was very into what he was saying. What I need Saturday Night Live to improve on and what I need the liberals to improve on is if he don't look good, we don't look good. This is our president. If he, Donald Trump in the background. It's true. It's true. It's true. 
Donald Trump looked like a pig in S yesterday. He was so happy. This is the happiest you see him. He gets to he gets to rub elbows with famous people, very famous people. This is all, folks. This is all he's ever wanted. That's all he. That's all he ever wants. And, and so he was just so happy that Kanye was there and being nice to him. And it. They the, the, like that big like where they hug it out moment. They like they get in close. They give each other a big hug. And they talk about how they love each other. And it's I mean, come on. I love this guy right that's here. Really nice. Yeah, hey man. That's, yeah. that's really nice. And that's from the heart. I didn't want to put you in that position, you know, but but that's from the heart. Special guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I grapple with this all the time because Donald Trump is obviously a maniac and a bad person and all that, but sometimes he just makes me laugh. Special guy. That's from the heart. And I'm not laughing with him, by the way. This isn't the UN speech all over again. I'm not laughing with him. I'm laughing at him. Special guy. (laughs) I feel like Van Newkirk, too, because I feel like I don't even have a place because I don't have a reaction anymore. It's just like... I don't, blank. My brain is just blank. I don't know how to feel about it. I know how to feel about it, but it's just like... I have so many ways that I feel about it, I can't pick one. Yes. Is what I'm trying to say. It's like, I I just, I don't know. It's just the most bizarre thing. <laughs> like, you have this running in parallel with the devastation happening in Florida and yeah. Georgia and yeah. the surrounding states, and then you have this in parallel with the kids being held in cages still, still. in Texas and yeah. being basically auctioned off to families who yeah. want them because they're never going to see their parents again. Like all of these happening, all of these things happening at once and converging into this cesspool of idiocy is just like, what do you say? I- I'm I'm mostly ready to move on from the Kanye thing, but yeah. there was there was one particular moment that no one really spent a lot of time talking about. They they were harping on, you know, the media is so bad sometimes. Like Jim Acosta was like, <gasps> Kanye West used the word mf'er because he said mf'er and uh, he said it in the Oval Office. I guarantee you, every president yes has said that have you not heard Uh, sorry jim have you not heard the tapes of richard nixon we have tapes of him saying in the in the oval office i mean if you're still fighting about the point of decorum and norms and like upholding this idea of a sane normal president where have you been jim i hope you're okay jim i'm sorry did you hear a naughty word are you gonna be all right like, if you're worried about things disrespecting the Oval Office, that is the least disrespectful thing that has happened in the past two years. Yeah. I care about that. Zero. Less than zero. That much. That much. Zero. But anyway, and by the way, the, Fox News was saying, like, the media freak out over uh, uh, Kanye West in, in the White House. Remember when, when Barack Obama had some hip-hop artists performed and the, I, I forget what it was it was either like Labor Day or Memorial Day or, or Fourth of July or something but there was a big cookout and like Fox News had the headline like Obama host gangster rap cookout at the White House yes I remember do that? remember that. Like that yeah 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 and it's like 
And it was like, you know, non-controversial rappers for the most part. But like Kanye West shows up and the, and like now Tucker Carlson loves him. Fox and Friends showed a read a letter from a uh, from a, a viewer that was like, I'm 75 years old and I've never listened to Mr. West's but music now before. I just bought but I listened to it dropout. yesterday and I loved it. <laughs> no, you didn't. You're, you, you, don't lie and tell us that. You're crazy. Anyway, the point that I was trying to make, <laughs> the thing that I think got most under un, undercovered, not covered enough yesterday, uh, you know, you hear a lot of talk about the patriarchy, probably from the women in your lives. Um and patriarchy can mean a lot of different things, right, in this day and age that we're living in, right? But one thing that was very, 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 very clear is Donald Trump and Kanye West talking about Hillary Clinton uh, and why Kanye West just couldn't vote for her during the election. Now, just listen carefully to what Kanye West says here. You know, my dad and my mom separated. So I didn't have a lot of male energy in my home. And also, uh, I'm married to a family that, um, you know, <laughs> not a lot of male energy going on. It's beautiful though. But there's times where, you know, it's something about, you know, I love Hillary, I love everyone, right? But the campaign, I'm with her, just didn't make me feel as a guy that didn't get to see my dad all the time. Like a guy that could play catch with his son. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. There it is. That's what it's really all about, y'all. You he can't bring himself to say, I'm with her. I can't follow this female leader. And look. I got a lot of problems with Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. I'm not a fan, and there are multiple reasons why she lost the election. But one reason, one of the reasons why she lost the election is because you have chauvinistic men who can't bring themselves to say, I trust this woman. Yep. And you also have women who subscribe to the same beliefs sure. because guess what? The patriarchy doesn't discriminate right. against gender. Right. right. <laughs> We're all implicit. It's it's just I mean again this is these these guys say the quiet part loud all the time. Kanye West just said it out loud. I can't take directions from a woman. He even slid that little line in about his fa I'm come from a family that's mostly females. It's like my nagging wife and her and her, uh, and her annoying of women. mother and yeah. all of her and all my sisters-in-law are always blah 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 blah, and I have to listen. That's just what he's saying. And he says, "There's something about it when I put this hat on that makes me feel like Superman." Yeah. And juxtaposing that with his phrase "male energy," yeah. I mean, look, you don't trust women. No, that's what it comes down to. And as bizarre as this clip sounds. He voiced what many people have known to be true since Donald Trump yeah. won. It's about sexism. It's about a lot of things, but a large prevailing message of the 2016 election was that we don't trust women. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't, by the way. Just look at the Brett Kavanaugh situation. We yeah. still don't trust women. Uh, and, uh, I mean, 
thank you to Kanye for making it crystal clear, and I hope that everybody is paying attention. I mean, that debate was settled for me a long time ago, right? Like, that was very, very clear, especially during the election. It became very obvious that, like, you could get away with saying some horrible things about a female candidate that you could not get away with saying about a male candidate, no matter what color the male candidate is. You could get away with a lot more. Intersectionality. Yeah. Um, but also, if you look at, like, Brett, you brought up Brett Kavanaugh. Sure. His op-ed right before he was confirmed um, in the Wall Street Journal, mm-hmm. one of the very first lines was, I was too emotional. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Can you imagine any woman applying to any job, let alone the Supreme Court, of the United States saying I was too emotional yeah. and I let my emotions get the better of that me. That would be the end of her career. Her the end of her career. The end of her career. There is no way that a woman is afforded the privilege to express her anger, her vulnerability, her her frustration in the same way yeah. that Brett Kavanaugh was allowed to. Kanye West just crystallized what a lot of people already knew. Whether they knew it or not, a lot of people supported Donald Trump and the campaign because at least it wasn't that woman. At least it wasn't that woman. Uh, We will talk more about Kanye West later on in the show. Uh, uh, Brittany Shepard is going to talk about it with us from the Washingtonian coming up here in just a moment. Also, uh, viral superstar Jack Jenkins, who went went, uh, viral yesterday when he went to an Apple store where Kanye West was. We'll talk about that. But I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, because uh, this is something that should make everybody very, very, very angry. Uh, We've talked about Chuck Schumer and the, I think, terrible job that he did with uh, Brett Kavanaugh, blocking Brett Kavanaugh. And in the same vein, there are still a lot of judges, a lot of judicial nominations that the Senate still has to confirm. That's how this works, right? And you, you've heard Donald Trump, especially over the last year, talk about these judges that are stuck because it's just the, the Senate has other things that are going. It's not necessarily that the Democrats are so put together that they can block this stuff. It, it really isn't that that's been holding it up. But there were 15 judicial nominations that were sort of on the last, the very end of the Senate's to-do list before they went home. And the Democrats had essentially, I mean, they had a couple of options, but two, two options right in front of them were, we can go to the turf, litigate these uh, people, find out who they are, see what their record is, make them go through the process, learn more about them so we have them on the record, uh, all of this stuff, or we could just go home, confirm them, and go home. And Chuck Schumer yesterday said, we're just going to go home. We're just going to make a deal with Mitch McConnell uh, and get these 15 judicial nominees confirmed which means they're going into recess early. Now, you might ask yourself, why in the world would Chuck Schumer do this? Uh, His logic, according to his office, is that Democrats need to get out of Washington and go home and campaign because we have an election coming up in 23 days. 
November 6th is the election. So it's not far. It's not far away. Uh, and these are all, it's um, three circuit court nominees. All of them will have a lifetime appointment to the court that they're going to. And Chuck Schumer just says, yeah, let's just end it. Let's just get this over with. You can have all of them. There was not an adequate debate about these judges. And this is just a, it's it's rubber stamp Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer just took Mitch McConnell's uh, terrible deal of just like, let's get these guys confirmed and then you can go home and campaign. And Chuck Schumer goes, okay. And that was it. That was it. After we just got out of this months-long fight uh, over Brett Kavanaugh, we need Chuck Schumer to fight, and then the Democrats. I'm laying this to Chuck Schumer's feet because he's in charge of the Senate Democrats. But the Senate Democrats, led by Chuck Schumer, need to fight and resist and do everything they can to stop the Trump agenda from moving forward at every turn. It can't, it can't, every single thing has to be a fight. That's, that I think is the biggest lesson. I mean, Democrats are so close, are so close to making that connection when they talk about resist and not my president and all of that stuff. You have to realize that the other part of that is that what Republicans did is they identified their political enemy and they will do nothing short of destroying them. And that's what Democrats have to do. I don't care. I don't care if it's not kosher with Senate tradition. I don't care if it freaks people out because it's not the normal thing to do. We haven't been in the land of norms in a couple of years now. We left that we left that way it's behind. It's so 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 far gone. Way behind. Stop these judges. Put up a fight. And if you really if you really want to put up a good message when you go back to your constituents to campaign for this election that's coming up, the message would be, "Hey, I'm trying to I'm trying with every fiber in my body to stop this goddamn president from putting in these terrible judges for lifetime appointments to do damage for the next 40, 50 years. That's what Democrats should be doing instead of saying, oh, sure, you can have these, but then we're going to go campaign because we're going to. Because we're going to get you for we're the gonna next. We're going to get you. Yeah, we're going to get you during this next, next time around. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, the Republicans have understood for a long, long time now that local, local positions matter. Yeah. The courts matter. All of these things that the Democrats are ignoring at the expense of trying to get that one last day of campaigning in. Yeah. It's like you're you're sacrificing the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get it. They don't, they don't get, get it. get it. And <sighs> you can people talk about this all the time. Like we're better than that. And we still have to keep the Senate working and the Senate. You know, the Democrats respect this, you know, this process with the Senate of, of you know, going through going through the actual process, uh, ha- working across the, the aisle, all this type of stuff. Republicans, 
I'd say about 10 years ago, decided they were not going to do that. They decided they were going this this tea party was going to be a thing. There was a tea party surge. A lot of people made fun of it. I even sort of discredited it a little bit at the time. I didn't anticipate that it would be the movement that it is. The tea partiers started probably again about 10 years ago, and in that 10 years, the tea partiers have control of the House, Senate, and the presidency. And it also looks like they have pretty well sealed up control of the courts as well. And not to mention governorships Gov- and state House and Senates. Yeah. Yeah. So if you worry or wonder about like, oh, we're not doing things normally here. We're going to ruffle the feathers of our colleagues on the other side. Just remember, this is what happens when you actually take a position, know who your opponents are, go after them aggressively. And, and organize. Out, and organize. And take them out. Take them out. They're not good. That's what they've done to Democrats for years. And it's working. Now, look, a lot of it has to do with the fact that our political system is backwards at best, and there's a lot of things wrong with it. But look, Republicans know that their ideals, I should say they know, a lot of them know, a lot of the ones in power know, that they've lost the war on a lot of social ideas. They have lost the war on um, uh, a lot of their policy positions, but They can keep them alive and limp along by packing the court, using the Electoral College to their advantage. When they do have this power that, you know, people who represent like 20% of the country are in charge, basically, right? Because of the way that the system is, is set up. So, look, it's... The the Schumer stuff really makes me mad because if this is a moment where you need a leader of the Democratic Party who is going to stand in the face of Republicans and put a finger in their chest every at every turn, we're going to fight you on this at every single turn. And Chuck Schumer is clearly not the guy. A couple of comments on this uh, on Twitter. I always love KG. KG on on Twitter, uh, Mr. Optimist here, says, uh, on the bright side, we don't have 40 or 50 years left in existence. I talked about these judges that will be here for 50 years. Hey, we might, you know, when the oceans are boiling in 50 years, uh, we won't have to worry about it because we're all going to be dead. I like your optimism. (laughs) It's pessimistic optimism. I like it. Uh, also one other story, which is, um, kind of amazing, not kind of amazing. It's fully amazing. This, in this day and age, uh, Ray, you talked about the governorships, uh, one strong governor in the state of Washington is Jay Inslee. Uh, he has said this for a long time back when he was in Congress, he was one of the guys that really pushed hard to say, we are a barbaric country that still utilizes the death penalty. Well, that is no longer going to be the case in Washington state. 
Jay Inslee, Governor Jay Inslee, fought to end the death penalty in Washington. Uh, he uh, made that happen not that long ago. In 2014, he declared a moratorium on the death penalty in Washington state. Naturally, that went all the way to the Supreme Court of Washington state, and the Supreme Court ended the death penalty officially. It's over. It won't happen again in the state of Washington. Governor Jay Inslee, who again is someone who has been mentioned as a contender for 2020, uh, made this point yesterday. Today, the court affirmed that indeed the Washington death penalty system has been arbitrary and racially biased in its application. And they have ended it immediately. There you go. It's over. Washington State. Uh, We need more governors like Jay Inslee. Remember that when you go to the polls on November 6th. It's not just about uh, the Senate and the House. Get out there and vote for a Democratic governor because, as I've mentioned before, more and more and more, you're seeing this uh, these fights that are set up between the United States government run by Donald Trump and your local state that is able to sort of take that fight to them. And if Donald Trump wants to implement policies on your state, you're going to want a government who's a governor who's going to stand up, push back, and let Donald Trump know that uh, not everybody has to do exactly what he says. Uh, find us on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. Read some more of your comments after a very quick break. Uh, joining us in just a couple moments is Brittany Shepard, bringing in all of her dragon energy to talk about Kanye West and then some. Uh, stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. You got it. It is the Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. We've got lots and lots and lots to talk about. Uh, we'll be joined by uh, Brittany Shepard here in just a couple moments. She's going to get her right in studio. But let's get a quick update on uh, Hurricane Michael, which came through uh, Florida earlier this week, leaving a, uh, a, a massive path of devastation so first of all donald trump yesterday was asked about this we played a a similar clip yesterday because he went up to pennsylvania to go campaign after uh or while essentially while the hurricane was coming ashore uh and he defended it again yesterday saying like folks i had all these fans i had all these fans i couldn't tell people that have been standing in line for a day and a half wanting to get into the arena that I'm not going. Uh, a day and a half? I don't think that's right. That doesn't seem right. Like, I, I bet you there was probably one or two, maybe, maybe at most 10 people who were like, hey, I'm going to camp out overnight so I can see this big wet president of mine. And it was not a day and a half. It was not a day and a half. Um, And then... He talks about how FEMA's gotten rave reviews for the job that they've done with Hurricane Michael. FEMA has gotten rave reviews. The first responders, law enforcement, everybody's gotten rave reviews. I just spoke with Governor Scott. They're very happy. Uh, food is being now, following the hurricane, being now brought in. Uh, a couple of numbers on uh, Hurricane Michael. Six people are now confirmed dead. There are probably billions and billions of dollars uh, worth of damage. It's still a little too early for actual estimates. 
Um, but it, it it's very, very bad situation down there on the Florida Panhandle, uh, specifically Mexico Beach in Florida, which seems to have been sort of ground zero for uh, where it landed. Also, this just this is just the perfect Trump clip when he talked about the size and the speed of the hurricane because we had Hurricane Florence that we seemingly talked about for like three weeks uh, because it was just a slow-moving hurricane. And then Michael was very strong, very fast, as, or as Donald Trump puts it. It went through like a bullet, but it was a devastating bullet. But it was a devastating bullet as opposed to the not dangerous bullets. The Nerf bullets. Right. Got it. Excellent. Anyway, uh, that's the update on Hurricane Michael. We can now talk to our good friend, Brittany Shepard from Washingtonian Magazine. Hi, Brittany. How are you? I am good. I am all out of drag energy this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I am running on empty, but I'm so happy to be here. I We were talking earlier. I don't know how to feel about the Kanye Trump summit because I feel so many different ways about it. I, I have felt every emotion, I think, in the so last many. 24 hours. Yeah, I, I mean, I was at the White House from about 9 a.m. Uh, all the way to like 6 p.m. yesterday, just trying to process all of my thoughts and feelings and also catch up with him at every turn. I was annoyed. I was entertained. Horrified. Horrified. <laughs> disappointed. Uh, I won't say disappointed because I didn't expect anything better out of these two. Like it's not like they it's not like they fell below my expectations. Like this is exactly what I thought. Yeah. We were gonna get. It's I think it shattered many people's expectations too, because even a lot of other reporters didn't even know who Kanye West was. Which was surprising to me when I'm I, sorry. Yes. There was a is it Kanye or Kanye? Yeah, this is Washington DC. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I completely believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So people were like, oh, well, they're gonna talk about music modernization, which is why Orrin Hatch and members of the um, Doobie Brothers were there just hours before. And Mike Love and from Mike, the Beach Boys, yeah. who is insane, by the way. Did you see, I, I'm, God, I meant to pull this clip. He went on this whole thing about how Donald Trump tried to help get Whitney Houston off of crack. Yeah, and we were very confused. I had no idea how Donald Trump and Whitney Houston were ever connected. But you know what, though? I, I, could have very well happened. Sure. Because that's where Donald, that, that is where Donald Trump lives. He lives in that space of, like, celebrity, mm-hmm. not politician and sobriety i suppose totally yeah yeah like i could totally see that happening but like i saw mike love who's a maniac jeff skunk baxter was there uh wearing a suit for the first time uh, maybe ever right uh from the doobies from the doobie brothers mm-hmm. it's like all my dad's favorite music um who else was there? Oh, oh, Kid Rock. Oh, Kid Rock was there. Kid Rock walked into the White House yesterday. <laughs> yeah, one of my colleagues asked him if he thought that Trump should fire Jeff Sessions, and he goes, <laughs> fire you, and then walks into the White House. <laughs> this is not Kid Rock's first um, no. visit to the White House, though. Do you remember when he like took a picture with the First Lady portrait of Hillary, and he was mm. like scowling with Palin? Yeah, by him? him and Palin and yeah. Sweaty Teddy. Yeah. Yes. Sweaty Teddy was there. Ted yes. Nugent. And didn't touch, didn't he flip off the photo? There was a yeah. there was a middle finger happening yeah. there as well. All Remember when he briefly floated a run for office? Yeah. Yeah. And he had like a website and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Which was all just a giant scam. Uh so oh, I, I can't believe I'm going to ask you this question, Brittany. Okay, I'm ready. How serious of a meeting did Donald Trump 
and Kanye West have because like they did get into some issues. Can I play? Can I play a clip of of the violence in Chicago? Right, like this was one of the issues that they talked about. The numbers of people being shot and killed, and it's it's not it's not for this country. So they have to do something, and I am totally open. If we can do it a different way, Kanye, I'm totally open. <laughs> I just, if we can do it a different way, Kanye, you, a rapper, please tell me how we can do this. Um, how serious was this meeting? Um, I would say I take both Kanye seriously and literally, and I think Trump does too. And the, one of the only reasons I say that, say that is because I think Trump listens to people who are like him, who appreciate him and who are from his world. And what better couple than that than Kim Kardashian West and Kanye West? And yeah. look, Kim walked in there, uh, pleaded for clemency for Alice Marie Johnson, and guess what? Like weeks later, she was out and she was free. Yeah. So if anyone could be an earworm, earworm to the president, it's going to be Kanye West. So I took everything he said with uh, both a grain of salt and all, all the seriousness in the world because in that closed-door caprese salad lunch, if Kanye offered something that would go against say, Jeff Sessions' policy on stop and frisk in big cities like Chicago and New York, I would say that Trump would consider it seriously. Uh, Trump would be way more open to hearing from it from Kanye West than... Like Elizabeth Warren. Well, especially when or even Jeff Sessions. Well, yeah, especially when you're in administration when there's no black senior staffers. Like he's not going to turn to Ben Carson and ask him what to do. Right. Ben Carson's not even turn to himself and ask himself what to do. B- right. Ben Carson can't even figure out how to work his microwave. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just he's not talking to the president about these issues in the way the president likes to be talked to. Yeah. No, and that's Kanye a, will. That's a really good point, actually. I mean that which is it's also a scary point. But it's mm. but I think it's a I think that's an interesting point. I I Donald Trump this is where he lives. This is where he's happiest. Absolutely. Being surrounded by celebrity. Celebrities who like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, fair. Yeah. And so it was just like with any other negotiation, he at the end of the day he's a businessman and likes to do deals on his own terms. Yeah. And Kanye West doesn't really live in the realm of anyone's terms. So he's easy to to bend towards Trump's will. So I I I, I want to be very clear, I'm not making light of the situation. I'm mm. not trying to make a joke. I honestly think that both of these men are have have serious mental health problems. Mm. Truly. And uh, to watch them both in the Oval Office talk about pressing issues of the day is a little horrifying. It's a little horrifying. Especially with Kanye, who's been very public. You know, I'm not really sure what's happening with the president and his health. But for Kanye, someone who I've been following personally as a fan and a lover of pop culture forever, his last album was titled, you know, uh, I am bipolar. Yeah. And, and then during the meeting, so that he wasn't bipolar, he was just sleep deprived. Yeah, uh, that was so weird. Yeah, it, it was just very Trumpian. It felt like it was a mini Trump stump speech in Iowa, and the way that he was like free, free jazzing on all of these subjects. I mean, again, to to come out and admit publicly that you are bipolar, and then to say, "Oh, I'm just tired. I'm not bipolar." a little bipolar. Yeah, and there was lots of- Again, I'm not making light of it. It's just, it's like there's something going on there. It was very confusing for a lot of us and the way he would riff from from topic to topic, it it would just, it felt very presidential or what the new normal of presidential is. Yeah, So, I mean, people can be scared. People can be enthused. He was hanging out with Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens after he was at the White House and they were very jazzed 
um, to see what's happening. So people, I think, can can pick the emotion they want to feel out of it because it ran the gamut. Um, I want to play this clip again because this was, I think, one of the more under uh, cover, more underreported parts of the meeting. Aside from like, hey, we now know Kanye's passcode to his phone. <laughs> Uh, to all like the big like hug the photo op hug where Kanye talked about why he couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton you know my dad and my mom separated so I didn't have a lot of male energy in my home and also uh, I'm married to a family that um, you know <laughs> not a lot of male energy going on it's beautiful though but there's times where you know it's something about you know, I love Hillary, I love everyone, right? But the campaign, I'm with her, just didn't make me feel as a guy that didn't get to see my dad all the time, like a guy that could play catch with his son. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. So, they, again, saying the quiet part loud, right? Mm-hmm. He's saying what we have all known to be true, that one of the reasons that Hillary Clinton lost the election, there are many, one of the reasons is that there were plenty of men who just could not bring themselves to vote for a woman. Yes. And it, it kind of plays in this narrative of like a toxic masculinity or like the prison of masculinity. And it, it plays into, I, I would say, a pretty tricky narrative of, oh, I'm surrounded with femininity. I am in an all-female family. By the way, that that part of the clip, by the mm. way, read, the way I heard it is like, I come from... You know, this family with a lot of females. I've got my nagging wife Mm -hmm. and her annoying sisters and her, you know, uh, loudmouth mother. I have to hear from them all the time. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take orders from them. And I'm damn sure not going to take it from a female president. Yes. And it's super easy to read it into that that way. And honestly, I think that there was an undercurrent of that in the implication where, oh, I can't relate to this because as her. I mean, what did he want? What was the alternative for Mr. West. I'm with her and him and him and him and him and him and him. Like, I don't, right. I'm not sure what he wanted out of that. And it, it does, it does play to a part of Trump's base that it really capitalized on like raw male energy, right? Like it consequence, he wanted consequenceless um, actions. And, you know, the the Kardashian West clan is not going to put up with that. So he turned to Trump. Did you, uh, you wrote a big piece before uh, mm-hmm. uh, Trump came here, or, or Kanye came here, about where he might hang out in D.C.? Yeah. We know we hung out at the Apple Store. We're yes. going to talk to Jack Jenkins, who was in the Apple Store with Kanye. It's phenomenal. He's going to be here uh, in the next hour of the program, so you're going to want to get the whole story from, from Jack. Uh, where, did, where did Kanye get? I, I, I assumed he would go to the Trump Hotel. Did he go to the Trump Hotel? Do we know? Yeah, I. so I was trying to use my Instagram detective skills, which I use for everything in my life. As a good, <laughs> as a good reporter does. Right, of course. And originally I thought he was at the Trump International Hotel in this photo with Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk. But the carpets look like they could be the JW Marriott, which is also super close to the White House. Oh, wow. So I think it's one or the other. Um if he wasn't with his wife and he wasn't with his children, and I don't think Kim would be dead, caught dead at the Trump International Hotel, yeah. that he would be there. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah. That might have been the thing. If she was, you know. Like, if she was here, I think they'd be at the Ritz or yeah. Mandarin Oriental. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think Trump International, though maybe not BLT steak. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, all right, so we've talked about this before. We did a whole podcast on this a couple months ago when Kanye originally started coming out and saying – Make America Great Again. Yeah, around April. And all this stuff. Um, is it okay to like Kanye's music anymore? 
What a great question and something that a lot of fans, uh, including myself, have to grapple with. Yeah. At what point is his messaging off color for a fan? And I think the answer is it depends on the person, right? Um, and and I, I think it's in a similar way people are like, oh, well, can I like these comedians anymore? Can I like Aziz Ansari anymore after what happened with Babe.net or yeah. in a more severe way, Louis C.K.? Yeah. And as... As someone who has felt that his music has inspired me, I've like you know I, my blackness has been more empowered through his music. Like I want to be there to support him, but if you don't do it critically, then what's the point? Yeah. Right. So I think a critical critical consumption is always okay, but once you lose your self awareness, I don't know, man. I that's the thing. Like I I'm trying to figure out where the line is because I listen to plenty of of musicians that have some problematic. Like have a like there's right. some real problems in their in their story, mm-hmm. right? And there are plenty of actors who are phenomenal actors, phenomenal directors, uh, that you know marry their daughters. Yeah. yeah, like like there are some. I won't see Woody Allen movies. It's safe anymore. to say Woody Allen is canceled. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I like I won't. See I'm not Wo- a big Woody Allen. Fan. I won't no, see, he's canceled. <laughs> I will not see Woody Allen movies anymore. But like. He's made some fantastic movies. A lot of them are older. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't, his recent movies really don't speak to me very much, mm-hmm. and I and I haven't seen any in fifteen years, right? But right. like Annie Hall's a great movie. It's a great movie. Right. So like, what do you do? How do you, like it's it's a really tough spot to be in. It is. It's tricky, and I don't think it's just the. Uh, and, and by MAGA. the way, I, I, I just want to say, yeah. like, uh, Kanye West is is just guilty of supporting, you know, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. uh, who is a very, very bad person, in my opinion, right? But like, he hasn't been accused of any any of these other things that the people that we're talking about, right? Just to be clear. But I can see the grappling with Kanye because he is saying stuff about black on black crime, which he riffed on yesterday, yeah. and how um, black people are like abusing the welfare system, just things that are incorrect, and that his friends like Chance the Rapper are trying to course correct him on very publicly. So I can see that there can be an ethical dilemma there above the, oh, he just likes Kanye. Kanye and Trump are just buddies. Yeah. Because that can change, you know, with the flip of a coin. I think that this is the subtext to all of this and seeing Kanye West in the Oval Office yesterday is it there is a fear, I think, among a lot of people that the roles will be reversed at some point that Mm -hmm. Kanye West will be sitting at the Resolute desk if he decides to run for president. You know, did that come up at all? Is that it did come up at all yesterday? Yeah. Um, there was a question. He goes, "Not after twenty twenty four. So he's waiting for Trump to, you know, finish his two terms, and then Kanye will suggest running for president." But I don't think it's going to happen. At least not in my lifetime. You don't think? I don't think so. I something. Kanye is a lot of talk and very little walk. Yeah. When there has to That's have fair. be some fault. Also, I don't think Chris would allow that to happen. And Chris makes all the decisions in that family jenner yeah right yeah for our listeners who aren't plugged in on keeping <laughs> up with the kardashians i don't watch keeping up with the kardashians well i do I, so yeah. you don't have to okay all right yeah uh, yeah that that probably makes sense yeah but like oh boy can you see kanye in iowa no but no. you know i Look, I'll could s- you see Trump sitting in the Oval Office? Like that, that's kind of like at every single turn that we talk about the 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 twenty twenty stuff or anybody mm-hmm. running for office, right? Whether it's Mark Cuban, uh, uh, non conventional people running for office, whether it's yeah. Mark Cuban or uh, you know Kanye West, it's just like or Michael Avenatti. It's like, well, 
stranger things have happened. That is true. I'm, I not, just, I'm I, not counting it out. Yeah. But I can see like an Elon Musk presidency before I can see a Kanye West presidency, mostly because do you think someone's going to vote in another black person for president? Uh, I'm not so sure, at least in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> it is, but it's something that you have to kind of. No, but I, I don't. I'm not saying I disagree with you. It's yeah. just, it's, it's just a depressing uh, thought. I want to play one last clip from their meeting, uh, Ray. This is the the big hug that they had. Oh yeah. Which was, ju- I mean, the 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 photo up of this was absolutely amazing because again, Trump is is behind the desk. Kanye is on the other side. Kanye gets up and comes around, and gives Donald Trump this this big old hug. Yeah. I love this guy right yeah. here. Really yeah. Amen. Yes. That's, yeah. that's really nice. And that's from the heart. I didn't want to put you in that position. But, but that's from the heart. Special guy. Special guy. I, 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 we talked about this earlier. Yeah. I, so many emotions, and I have so many feelings about Donald Trump, but sometimes I just have to say, Donald Trump makes me laugh. Oh, you have to be able to Special laugh, guy. right? What a funny guy. That's Thank from, you. That's from the heart. That's from the heart. And then Kanye turned around and hugged John Carl of ABC. Well, like, too. What was that? Yeah, I think John Carl said, "Hey, I love everybody." Yeah, yeah, I love every- and Hillary. I love everybody. He, I think John Carl something to the degree of, "Oh, thank you for taking our questions." You know, some basic. Cur- thank you, Mr. West. Yes, and then he came over and he gave uh, good old John a hug. So it was uh, kind of a whirlwind day. Also, he cursed a lot. Apparently, that's what people are also worried about. Okay, I, I have a take on this. Yes, I do too. If, if you're annoyed that Kanye West said "mf"er. Uh, in the White House, on camera, uh, you probably have, uh, if you think that's bad, wait till you hear the tapes of what Richard Nixon said in the Oval Office. Right. And what was, what's was what been probably done in the Oval Office. <laughs> what we know has been done under Bill Clinton in right. the Oval Office. I'm sure that Barack Obama said mf in the Oval Office many times. Yeah. I'm sure Bill when he Clinton he ate did. his six almonds at night. Yeah. I, yeah, I know that George W. Bush, I mean, people have talked about George W. Bush. Yeah. I'm sure every president has. In fact, I would think that you were some sort of a robotic weirdo if you didn't. Right. I, he was just, you know, shooting from the hip. Like he usually does. Yeah, I, I that really annoyed me. That I don't like the pearl clutching. It really yeah. Oh, a... oh. Like someone was like, Kanye West just said this word in the Oval Office. It's like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, are you going to be all right? It's just crazy. You know, like, I'd rather, you know, have him be cursing and like have a press briefing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So did Kim... Kardashian, Kim Kardashian West, I guess. Yeah. Did she say? I think it's okay. I'm sure. I, I'm sure she goes away. Yeah. Uh, did she have anything to say about this? She had no presence at all yesterday. Not right? yesterday. And you know what? I think she's going to keep a low profile until she can come out and say, you know, I'm very happy that my husband did XYZ because right now we don't really know what happened. Yeah. We're not really getting a lot of insight into the private conversation between uh, him and Brown and uh, Trump. Uh, but I can see Kim and Alice Marie Johnson maybe making a statement in the next couple of weeks. Um, I, this is totally unfair, but we only have about 90 seconds. And I wanted to ask you about the, a piece that you wrote um, last week uh, about how you grapple with the lack of diversity. Sure. Uh, I thought it was such an important piece. And just to pull back the curtain a little bit, we book a lot of people on the show and mm-hmm. we book White House reporters on the show. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of diversity in the White House press corps. Not a lot. No. Um, there are, you know, if you look at foreign pool. There's like a, a lot of uh, Asian and Hispanic people, and that gives me hope that it will, you know, move over to 
the regular people and the regular folk you see on TV all the time, but it's really tough. And I was trying to be, be as honest as possible that I could in my essay about how hard it was to be one of the only black people and one of the only people under 30 yeah. in the press corps. And it's hard to be taken seriously. Uh, everyone who meets me in the administration, you know, if I bring up my race, it's like an on-ramp to identity politics in their mind. And sure. it's super difficult to source up. And I can't burn sources in the way that other people can. And if I tweet about racism or write a story about black voters and them, you know, walking off the Trump train, then people stop answering my texts and my calls. Yeah. And that doesn't happen with, you know, I'm not going to name names, but you just look at on TV and look at the people who were there with the White House press corps. A lot of white male faces in the White House press corps. That's and, true. And and in media in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty powerful drug, <laughs> I got to tell you. Um, but uh, it's a really, really important piece. Go read Brittany's work, Washingtonian.com, Washingtonian.com. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you so much for having me We on. always love having you in the studio. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk some politics, Southern politics, specifically with Clyde McGrady. Stay tuned. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary and every week We put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. It is The Bill Press Show. Thank you for tuning in here on a Friday, October 12th. Fall is officially in the air. Uh, Where all of us are drinking our pumpkin spice lattes. (laughs) <laughs> just how That's it actually what we're talking about for the next 30 Harness. minutes. I have a whole jug of pumpkin spice latte right here. Just ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. <laughs> Look, man, a lot of people uh, clown pumpkin spice, but, man, that stuff is delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> Thank at- you. Thank this you. is a non-ironic plug for pumpkin not- spice. We are genuinely <laughs> fans, Clyde. <laughs> okay. I- I've said this a couple times on the show, and I've gotten some heat for it. Pumpkin spice is delicious. Pumpkin pie is delicious. Pumpkin everything is delicious. Pumpkins Wait, on your table, I, pumpkins <laughs> in your food, in your coffee. I got to say this, though. Uh, just regular old pumpkin. Like, like I've, I've had like regular old pumpkin. It's not great. Right. It's not great. No. Like, I've, I've had pumpkin curry, which is good, right? But it's, it's sort of like making the most of what you got, mm-hmm. right? But pumpkin spice... Now, I saw a pumpkin spice hummus one time. That's going to be a no for me. That might be a little bit too no, far. No. But pumpkin spice pumpkin spice cake, lattes. I got some granola. Pumpkin spice granola the other day. <laughs> I'd eat that. Yeah. All day I think long. it was just a backlash because uh it was starting to be put into everything. You don't have to put it in everything, y'all. Just like yeah. but like pumpkin pumpkin spice when appropriate 
delicious. Yes, absolutely. Unironically delicious. I love it. Um, but it's a it's a nice fall day here in Washington D.C. To our listeners in Chicago, by the way, I just saw there's like a a cold snap coming through Chicago. It's like twenty degrees in Chicago now. So Ooh, cannot survive. And as a Georgia boy, I cannot survive. No. In- Chicago. DC winters are, are kind of brutal enough. Just the lake effect, the wind. Even my first uh, winter in DC, just the wind coming down Constitution Avenue, just straight in my face like razor blades, just yeah. slicing and just tears streaming down. Yeah. My face. And oh. now it's winter it. all year long with Trump news coming at your eyes like razor right. blades. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Clyde's from Georgia. I'm from South Carolina. I didn't own a scarf until I moved to Washington, DC. And I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. <laughs> No, I get it. I was like, scarf? What, what, what do you need a scarf for? Oh, I got a scarf now. Yeah, I didn't understand it either, man. I no. get it now. I understand it completely. A couple different comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, <laughs> someone already commented, commented, it's like, y'all are all jacked up on nutmeg this morning. Actually, it was kombucha. It's, yeah, we got, you know what? Ray, brought, Ray <laughs> brewed her own kombucha and brought it in this morning. So we've got booch. It gave us some dragon energy. And pumpkin spice latte. Pumpkin spice pumpkin kombucha. Spice. Pumpkin spice Pumpkin kombucha. Pumpkin spice kombucha. Opportunity Clyde, missed. Clyde, genius. Opportunity missed. That's a free one, Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> That's free. That is peak Whole Foods. If that was to show up at Whole Foods, I'd go, yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, let's read a couple of other comments. Uh, Terrace Muhammad says, uh, Kanye West and other celebrities plus Donald Trump at the White House meeting is Donald Trump's answer to Taylor Swift's impact on the millennial electorate. You know, that's not a bad point, actually, because we talked about the impact that Taylor Swift had by sort of urging her fans to go vote. Um, and Kanye saying he liked her music 25% less. <laughs> Man, the, the almost 10-year dance between... Uh, Taylor and Kanye, ever since he burst onto that stage at the MTV uh, Music Video Awards, has been very, uh, very intriguing uh, to me. And who would have thought, nine years later, this is this is where we'd be with yeah. Taylor on stage, you know, endorsing a Democratic candidate and Kanye, you know, in the White House. But I guess he's always, if you look at Kanye, is like, what's the most iconoclastic uh, thing I can do? And that is support Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I mean, that, it, he sent out the tweets, and then he got the response, and he was like, "Oh, this seems to be touching a nerve among people. I, I shouldn't do this. This yeah. is dangerous." <laughs> and then, you know, now he's in the Oval Office with a mega hat. There so. we go. All right, we got lots to talk about here on the Bill Press Show. We're going to take a really, really quick break, uh, but stay tuned. We'll be right back. On your radio, on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, watching the show. We really appreciate it. Remember, we are streaming live video, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We're also heard on WCPT in Chicago and uh, in Indiana Talks in Indiana and lots of other uh, great stations around the country. Also on Free Speech TV. And don't forget, you can check out a new uh, venture that we are a part of, Political Voices Network. Go to leftisright.com. You can uh, watch video clips of the show, plus Tom Hartman and Stephanie Miller. There's even an app you can go download. Just look for PVN, 
Political Voices Network. We appreciate it. And we have our podcast on iTunes. Go subscribe to that. We put it up. What, what the podcast is, is it's every single day after the show, we put up a podcast for you to enjoy. But we're also putting up content on the weekends uh, that you can only get if you subscribe to the podcast. So we have a podcast uh, ready to roll that's coming out tomorrow where we talk to a reporter, the reporter who uncovered the fact that the head of the EPA, Andrew Wheeler, is on Facebook liking <laughs> like really racist memes from 2013. Like, dumbass racist memes. He's a Fox News grandpa at this point, the head of the EPA. Uh, so we talk about not only what it was that he was engaging in and doing on social media, but just the fact that he's going to survive this politically. And how maybe our yeah. outrage is not quite focused enough on the policies that he is pushing. Yeah, that too. That too. Uh, my guest this morning is Clyde McGrady. He is from Roll Call. He is my uh, fellow Southerner. Yes. Uh, we're not going to talk SEC football for the whole segment. Big one in uh, LSU this weekend for the Bulldogs. I will say that. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna. I mean, it's gonna have to be. I I grew up in South Carolina, but I went to the uh, University of Alabama. I'm not gonna let out <laughs> the Roll Tide that everybody's expecting, but I'm thinking it. You're a Georgia Bulldog. Yes. Yeah. We got a big one in LSU in uh, Death Valley uh, this weekend. Would have preferred not to uh, play LSU coming off a loss in Baton Rouge. Yeah. But uh, that's just how it shook out. But I think we're seven and a half point favorites, so it should be a good I one. think y'all are going to be fine. Yeah. Is what I think. I think y'all are going to be fine. No Georgia fan thinks that we're going to be yeah. fine. No, <laughs> don't say that. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I just sort of like am waiting for an actual enjoyable Alabama game. Like I'm having fun watching it, but it's just like these games are all getting earlier and earlier. They're all at noon because they know it's going to be a, a blowout. I mean, I asked a, um, a friend of mine who's an Alabama fan, I was like, is it just boring? Like until they play, I mean, okay, so they play LSU and Auburn. Those are their biggest games That's like every it. year. And then, likely, the SEC championship. Although they've won two national titles without even winning their division and going to conference championship. Roll Tide. Um, but, yeah, and those are the only good games, really. And he was like, well, you know, I don't have to sit there and watch everyone. I can kind of check the score on my phone. It's kind of like being a Warriors fan. Like, until the postseason yeah. really comes, like, you're just, oh, okay, I'll just watch Tua throw for 400 yards. Yeah, I, I watched Tua for the first half, and then I'm like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, this this quarterback that they have Tua Tagovailoa is amazing. Yeah, I I saw firsthand in the national title game last year. He's when, like playing with the contra code. Yeah, he's unstoppable. He just has a flamethrower that he takes to defenses and he just sprays the secondary with it, and they all melt away basically. And I've been watching Alabama football since I was a kid. I'm not used to having an Alabama offense that throws the ball as much as they do. No, no, we have like the these, Alabama these, these quarterback. These running backs are probably like what. <laughs> yeah, Jake Fromm is an Alabama quarterback. Yeah, like a very competent uh, guy Game who doesn't manager. make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, that's what we had this year. And you guys have Steve Young, basically. <laughs> so that's been fun. All right, that's it. That's okay. all the SEC football talk we're going to have. But we had to have one little quick SEC right. football summit. All right, we sorry, go? folks. But we are going to stay in Georgia because I want to talk to you about Stacey Abrams, who is running mm -hmm. for governor of Georgia. Um, 
there are a lot of polls that show that this is actually a, a really competitive race, that she has a real shot here to win in Georgia. Yeah, I think most that I've seen has her have her within the um, margin of error. Yeah. So she's usually within two to three points, but it's usually um, behind. So, you know, not to lean on that cliche, but it's really going to come down to turnout. Well, it, it, it is going to come down to turnout, but you know, you know Southern politics well enough uh-huh. to know that the only way that a Democrat can win in the South is with the very, very, very important african-american vote yes yes extremely important and um uh like we talked about last time her her strategy is going to be turning out um all those black votes in the rural counties uh kind of like places where i'm from i'm from like a rural county like lee county sumter county that's where i'm from so that's where she has kind of concentrated a lot of her efforts Mm -hmm. she's had this um Voter registration project since uh, 2014, I think it's called the New Georgia Project, and that's been the source of story this week. Uh, the 53,000 um, votes or um, registration, people's registration is in limbo. Yeah, let me read really quickly from the Associated that. Press yeah. investigation because uh, they say Democratic Democrat Stacey Abrams, Republican opponent. Uh, Brian Kemp, who is the who just oh oh just happens to be Georgia's <laughs> Secretary of State. I mean that's a, it's like being the ref of your own game. It is. It's that's tra- exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, he has mass canceled more than a million voter registrations since 2012, and currently just froze an estimated 53,000 voter registrations with a large majority of those belonging to African-American voters. And the thing is, when this happens, you register to vote, you think you're registered to vote, you think you're good to go. Most people don't double check to make sure that they're still registered to vote. So when they show up on November 6th to go vote, they're going to realize, oh, I can't vote now. They don't know. Right. Like, it's the same way, like, like, Someone mentioned to me the other day that they had registered to vote in California, mm-hmm. and just like it was on National Voter Registration Day, which was in September, they just looked, just to double check, just to make sure that they were still registered to vote, and they weren't. Right. And um, it's like, this happens all the time. Well, the woman who um, who they profiled in the AP story said she didn't receive a notice either, and it's um, it's a consequence of that Georgia exact match law. Where if your voter registration information does not match up perfectly with what they have in the um, in the Social Security Administration or the Georgia um, the Department in charge of Georgia driver's license, if that doesn't match up perfectly, it could be a misplaced hyphen. It can be an entry error. It could be a bounce back um, from your mailing address, mm. and then. Your, That's it. Your yeah, you're pending, so you can still cast a provisional ballot. And what you know, Republicans or uh, Brian Kemp would say is, "Look, we're just trying to maintain the integrity of our voter registration database. This is maintenance. Democrats call it a purge. It's a purge. It is yeah. a purge. By the way, the the AP report went on to, to say uh, again, Brian Kemp, Secretary of State. This is a guy that's in charge of the voting." Uh, in the race that he's running in, he canceled nearly six. Listen to this: in the state of Georgia, six hundred seventy thousand registrations in two thousand seventeen alone. Yeah, 
Yeah. What on earth? Yeah. And Stacey Abrams, uh, there's a story in uh, CNN this morning. Uh, Stacey Abrams called on him to resign as Secretary of State. Hell yeah. That's, yeah. that's the right answer. Yeah, and they've done this uh, last year. My mom, she, uh, she's on Stacey Abrams, like her... Um, her fundraising emails and they've been they've been fundraising uh this so she sees it also as you know a way to fight voters oppression but as a way to uh kind of make some political hay uh this as well but she called on resign and he responded with a statement i kid you not um we will not let outside while outside agitators may say that this is voter suppression now you're from south carolina when you hear the words uh Outside agitators. What does what does that uh, recall to you? Well, in South Carolina, <laughs> we still refer to the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression. Exactly. So we know about those outside agitators. I mean, oh, my so... ears perked up as you know any yeah. student of the Civil Rights Movement knows. Like when, um, I don't know if he did that on purpose. Um, I have a guess what message he was trying to send, but that is a very coded signal uh, uh, that a lot of segregationists used when um, during the civil rights movement. They say, "No, everything's fine down here between the races. Everything's all good." But it's yeah. outside agitators who are who are doing this. Uh, Stacey Abrams put out the, the numbers. Uh, Georgia's population is, is approximately thirty two percent black per the U.S. Census, but the list of voter registrations on hold with Brian Kemp's office is nearly 70% black. Coincidentally. Yeah. What a, what a, what a coincidence. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't... Yeah, if if you were targeting um, another group's voters, the correlation between uh, being African-American and voting Democrat is very high. So... Um, yeah, it's not exactly a surprise that a lot of those, um, voters happen to be African-American. You know, this is, I think that voter suppression is something that is hard for a lot of people in the mainstream media to understand, right? right? For a lot of different reasons. Um, and I think that if you never dealt with it, it's really hard for you to understand. Right. Um, but this is this is what we talk about when we talk about voter suppression, and yeah. this isn't an isolated incident. This happens every day. This right. happens all the time. That's the thing, though. It's in a vacuum on its face. Of course, you want to maintain the integrity of your voter registration, right? Sure. You don't want voter fraud. You don't want people casting extra ballots or voting in jurisdictions where they're not supposed to. But when you put in the larger context of what has happened in the South, you know, um, civil rights workers being beaten, trying to register black voters, uh, people who had the gall, you know, to actually go out and register to vote, having their homes shot up, being murdered, having churches bombed. When you put it in that larger context, it does seem fishy. And the kind of the history of um, voting in this country, we tend to say democracy is good. Democ democra um, participation in democracy is great. The more, the better. I mean, we've launched democracy, you know? Um, but if you actually look at, you know, like the founding fathers, they're extremely distrustful of participation in the democratic process. 
I mean, the first people who were allowed to vote were landowning white males, right? Um, and then slowly, um, white women gained the right to vote, and then black people at large about 50 years ago. Uh, Think effect, about that for a second. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know, I'm, yes. I know we're, we're stating the obvious here, but like, not that long ago, guys. Like, this is still a struggle. Right. I mean, I'm the first generation in my family not to be born under Jim Crow. I mean, this isn't even um, that long ago. But at the same time, like, the South kind of has uh, a shame about it, right? Richard B. Russell, who the Senate building is named after, right? Senator from the early 1930s, like, 19... 19- 71, yeah. you know, one of the main signers of the Southern Manifesto stood for segregation. He swore he was not racist. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, swore up and down he was not racist and that things in the South were great and was really offended by um, Southern senators like, you know, Cotton Ed Smith and Bilbo in Mississippi who would just go down on the Senate floor and use the N-word yeah. uh, during a debate, and he was he just thought that was so gauche. It was like, no, that's, a, <laughs> that's inappropriate. Sir, <laughs> you are. <laughs> Have you no decorum? Yeah, it's no like decency? this is a stain on the South. No, it's much more sophisticated than that. Right. Um, my point was not to infer that, you know, um, Brian Kemp is Richard Russell. That's not what I was implying. Well, but you know, but my point is that when you put all this stuff in context, yeah, you know, it some of it is, you know, it does feel like a, a continuation, not as you know, not as obvious, um, more subtle, and but you know, you know, I, I'm reminded of a clip that Barack Obama uh, or a statement that Barack Obama made when he was on of all places uh Mark Marin's podcast when he was still president mm-hmm. and he got a lot of grief for it. Yeah. And he said racism is not a white person walking up to you and calling you the n-word on the street. Right. That's not what racism is. I mean, it is racism, but that's yes. not what we talk about when we talk right. about racism. Uh this looks a lot like it. What's happening in Georgia? This looks a lot like what I would call institutional racism that thrives not only in the South, but across the country. Because, again, they know that, as you pointed out, historically, African-American voters tend to vote for Democrats. Right. And so, I mean, there's always been kind of chicanery when it comes to voting, right? Uh, You know, speaking of you know, the Richard Russell era. LBJ famously landslide Lyndon, how he even got to the Senate in 1948 was, you know, pretty much voter fraud. Well, again, the 1960 presidential election, you know, those votes coming out of Chicago. I mean, there's always been funny business around elections. It's just that because one, uh, one party is so identified with a particular racial group, that if you wanted to keep that party out of power, yeah. you it's obvious who you would try to keep from voting. Yeah. Is the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's so much talk about get registered to vote. Now's the time to get registered to vote. It's so important to vote. And yes, all of that is true. But God, the, the, the deck is, st- is so stacked against Democratic voters across the country, right? Mm-hmm. With With... Any number of different things. So the thing that worries me is, is this 
going to be too late for Stacey Abrams? Does she still have a chance? I mean, we're talking specifically about Georgia. Mm -hmm. It happens all, all over the country. But, like, how is she going to combat this? Um, well, like I said, she's like trying to raise, um, she's raising money from it. She's, she's trying to get her supporters, uh, fired up about it. She's called on to, you know, like I said, she called on Brian Kemp yeah. to resign. So I think what that's implying is that she's trying to put pressure, um, on Republicans to say, look, if this funny business does go down and you win the election, then it kind of casts a shadow on the legitimacy of of that election so shame i don't know if that'll work uh it hasn't been working i gotta yeah. tell you i mean we've been trying to shame a lot of these politicians for a while now it's just not really seeming to resonate yeah so my guess is she's uh just going to use a strategy of um trying to fire up her supporters with it. like look these people do not want you to vote which is why it's more more important for you to get out there and do it I mean, I will say I'm I'm fairly pessimistic about most things, uh -huh. but I am optimistic in the sense that now we're at a point where you can get that message out right. more effectively than before, right? right? Like if you were a person who did have your vote disenfranchised, there was a very good chance that you wouldn't know about it until you went to the poll to go vote. Right. And, like, now we have this story, and this is why we're talking about it, and I, I think more people need to talk about it. Like, you need to double-check to make sure that you are registered to vote. You have to do that because there is a chance, seems like a pretty good chance, that, like, you could have lost your voter registration. It could have been, could have been taken away from you or at least put on hold or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the fact that more people are uh, talking about it, like, I know when a lot of these voter ID laws were even coming out, people, I mean, they were controversial and people would talk about them like, oh, that's a, oh, they shouldn't do that. That's terrible. But there wasn't a real organized push yeah. to, you know, to fight against them. But I think now a lot of candidates are starting to realize um, that they can make an issue and yeah. they can fire up their support. Yeah. No, I think it's a really interesting time, and I think the Democratic politicians specifically need to grab onto that message. Yeah, I have no idea what what is going to happen uh, in this race. Just because Georgia is such a red state, I'd say Kemp probably wins. Like he still, I think he still has the numbers yeah. uh, on his side, even in a year um, in which the president is incredibly unpopular. But he is still trying to tie himself to uh donald trump i mean don jr came down and did a fundraiser so he's really bringing out the big guns i mean <laughs> he got don jr to take off time from you know owning the libs online <laughs> to come to georgia and own the libs from you know the mountains of north georgia to the okie swamp <laughs> to the chattahoochee river he just owned the libs Make all over libs owned georgia. again yeah <laughs> I can see Don Jr. really hitting it off with the people of Georgia. He seems seems like a Georgian. He would fit it in the South very well. He likes to hunt. Yep. Uh, actually, that's it. I don't know a lot about Don Jr., only than his tweets. Really. He seems fairly ignorant, and I know a lot of ignorant people. I'm not saying the <laughs> South in general is ignorant, but I know a lot of ignorant people in the South. I think he would get along very well with some members of my family. I'll just put it yeah. that way. This has been good for him. People like want to be around him. 
now. Yeah. I'm sure that's like a new thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Don's here. Yeah. Don Jr.'s here. Now we can start the party. When I'm was sure. the last time anybody got excited for Don Jr. to arrive? I guess now he's having his moment. Yeah. Um, so in the next segment, we're going to have Jack Jenkins, who was at the Georgetown store when Kanye West showed up. I, I have to ask you about the story of the day. Kanye West comes to the White House. Um, yeah, I wonder if Kanye walked in Georgetown Apple and they handed him a number and he had to <laughs> wait for 20 minutes. What's your name, sir? Or did he just hop straight on the table? So we don't have you on the list here, sir. Sorry. <laughs> It's probably getting that passcode change. Do you see his code is zero 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 zero? Yeah, I mean, what is wrong? Did anyone with try it at his bank yet? <laughs> oh God! I, oh my God! <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I mean, I'm a little guilty <laughs> of that. Like my passcode isn't anything super because uh-huh. it's like who wants to enter the passcode all the time? Um. Uh. But Are you yeah, getting I'm the just... shot. Peter was just miming it. I wasn't actually doing it. I was just doing this. <laughs> I was just doing this. Y'all are, gonna, um, y'all are gonna get into my iPhone. I promise you that. But with regards to him going to the White House, it's it's actually shouldn't be surprising that he uh, is a Trump supporter. Yeah, because Kanye uh, doesn't have any kind of coherent policy beliefs. Like he sat in the White House and asked Donald Trump to like free Larry Hoover, who started the Gangster Disciples in Chicago. It bona fide gang leader with you know a murder rap. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He has no like actual political beliefs, but Kanye uh, sees himself still as an underdog, right? And I think what he identifies with, and Trump is a person who people said, "Oh, you can't win," and then he won. And to Kanye, like that's the only thing that matters. People told him he couldn't rap. I mean, he on 12 Minutes on College Dropout on the last song, he talks about how Jay-Z wouldn't sign him as a rapper. Yeah. Like, he complains about that on his debut. Jay-Z <laughs> won't sign you as a rapper. <laughs> Until I prove to him that I can do it. So I think that's what he identifies with Trump. Obviously, like, kind of the, the super alpha male part. Kanye likes that part, too. I think that's a that's probably the biggest part. Yeah. We, we, like, we'll, didn't he say, like, oh, I'm in a house full of women, so this we nag play, hat gives me energy can, or something Can we play like this that? clip one more time? This will probably be the last time we play this clip, but this is the whole thing. He, he, he I mean, listen to this, the blatant sexism that he goes through in this clip on multiple levels. You know, my dad and my mom separated, so I didn't have a lot of male energy in my home. And also... Uh, I'm married to a family that, um, you know, <laughs> not a lot of male energy going on. It's beautiful, though. But there's times where, you know, it's something about, you know, I love Hillary. I love everyone, right? But the campaign, I'm with her, just didn't make me feel as a guy that didn't get to see my dad all the time, like a guy that could play catch with his son. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. There it is. I mean, it's it's again, say the quiet part loud. I couldn't say I'm with her. I mean... I've got this nagging wife and her annoying sisters and her mother that are bugging me all the time. Like, I can't support a woman. I mean, Trump really should change his campaign instead of, you know, made America great again or whatever. So 2020, just Trump 2020 saying the quiet part loud. Yeah. I mean, I think Kanye spoke for... A lot of a lot of dudes in that piece, and I think actually, 
I mean, I think there are a lot of uh, black male voters that Trump could reach. People forget how anybody who's listened to rap in the 90s knows how popular uh, Trump was with rappers. Oh, yeah. I mean, he got shot because he was like the most famous billionaire, alleged billionaire anyway, Uh our most famous rich person. Yeah. He's from New York, the epicenter of rap. Um, He's probably an idea of what a lot of rappers would do once they got rich. Of course, they would have a gold toilet, right? That's exactly what Trump did, that they identify with that. Folks. Folks, I'm the first black president. It's true. People are saying this all the time. Yeah, people. Many people come to me and they say Trump. <laughs> Trump's got bars. <laughs> Trump can rhyme. He's from Queens. So he's in New York. Let me ask you this. This is the final question, and I asked this of our previous guest, mm-hmm. and this is mostly I just need to feel better about myself. Is it still okay to listen to Kanye? Yeah. 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 It, I, I it's start- not even that complicated. It's not even. I mean, he's like. It's him, Jay-Z, and Outkast for me. And I'm not going to not listen to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I think his new album isn't that great. Like, it feels like I haven't even listened together. to that album. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of a certain age. I'm, I'm a big fan of old Kanye. Yeah. But I like, I mean, some of the new Kanye stuff is good, too. But, like. Like, if we weren't I, bound by, like, copyright rules, I feel like the song of today's show would be <laughs> Wake Up, Mr. West from <laughs> yeah. Late Registration. Pretty much. Yeah. The thing is, and I will say, uh, to pat myself on the back, I never liked Kanye for what he said outside of his music. Sure. Because I always thought he was kind of weird and incoherent. Like, a lot of people, like, when they're in the booth, they're making music, that's the best way that they express themselves, and then they get out, and it's hard for them to articulate what they're thinking. So I usually kind of just dismiss what he said, but on, you know... On his albums or in his songs, like that's the stuff that I love. So I never really paid attention to it. So when he went full mag, I mean, it was just like, of course, that, that's what Kanye would do. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, you know, I'm I'm still gonna listen to it. I might not go to his show to you know listen to him rant the for rants thirty minutes about black people choosing to be slaves. Yeah. But I mean, his music's still good. Clyde McGrady, you can read his fine, fine work at RollCall.com. I really appreciate you joining us here to talk all things uh, Southern politics, Kanye West, and, of course, SEC football. Uh, Clyde, we'll talk (laughs) talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back, y'all. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. It is The Bill Press Show here on a Friday, October 12th. Fall is officially in the air. Jack Jenkins is here with a very comfy sweater. That's true. It's that looks awesome. so comfortable I'm, I'm, I'm with your cable knit comfy cardigan. <laughs> I walked outside today and I felt how the chill in the air and I went back in and I put on my orange pants. Oh, I put on oh, my orange pants. You were seasonal, sir. I'm dressed like uh, like Halloween. I'm, I am Halloween. <laughs> you just have a roaring fire in the corner. Yeah, there's a, there's a, this is, I have a giant mug, a jug of pumpkin spice latte. That is amazing. It's actually just water. Ah, okay. Cool. Just kidding, it's gin. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> what a, what a wacky news day yesterday. Yep. Um, we have been talking about the Kanye West situation. Yes. Which it was a situation. Yeah, that is true. Everybody watched it on TV. Everybody saw the meeting with Donald Trump. 
we've we've gone over that plenty of times today. We're not going to spend a ton of time on that because after the meeting, Kanye West surfaced at the Apple Store. And the only way that we know that, the only reason that we know that is because our guest in studio with us right now, Jack Jenkins from the Religion News Service, was there. Viral superstar, <laughs> Jack Jenkins. So you just went to the Apple Store just to go to the Apple Store. Yeah. Like you needed to get something. Yeah, I was not on the clock. I, I, had, I had filed a stir- story earlier in the day, and my phone had kept dying. And I've been meaning to get a new phone for forever, and finally I just hit a breaking point, and I was over in that section of town doing reporting anyway, so I was like, oh, I'll just swing by the Apple store. Okay. And uh, I just I walked in to get a new phone, and uh, um, <laughs> the, the story goes- And then- <laughs> The story goes, so I went in, and there was this like woman at the front who was trying to get her phone fixed or trying to figure out a new iPhone, and I was like, all right, I'll well, wait for her, and then I just needed to walk around the store. So I went kind of like meandering around looking at the expensive objects in the Apple store, um, went back near the Genius Bar, and then suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I noticed this gaggle of people like <laughs> walking away from the Genius Bar. Kanye was, does not simply walk alone. No, no. Kanye walks with people. And I'm, I'm not, it, it's still not clear to me if the people with the cameras were like, his crew, or if it was just people in the store that had expensive camera rigs for their iPhones already yeah. made. So I look over, and I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's Kanye West. <laughs> and it's very clear that the rest of the store also kind of realized that it was Kanye West at the same time, and that all of us were like, what is, what is happening? Um, and then he proceeded to kind of walk towards the front of the store, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm not off the clock yet. I still have reporting to do. I am not an entertainment reporter, but people need to know. And I still thought, I was like, well, I'm just going to tweet a couple of pictures of Kanye in an Apple store. Maybe that's why. Um, he was the, the, the running theory in the room was that earlier that day when he was at the Trump summit, you know, his, his lunch, whatever um, it was, they, um, he had all these cameras around him. Yeah. And he pulled out his phone and he, he just unlocked it in front of everyone. Bop, 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 yeah. bop, bop. It is a little... Passcode, which we all saw, was yes. just zero 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 zero. <laughs> so the running theory in the room was that he had come to the Apple Store because he thought he needed to get a new phone or something. <laughs> I love that. That's the I I love that. That's the idea. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I believe that they're just like us. <laughs> <laughs> I totally believe that. Like someone got to him was like, "Dog, you just showed everybody your passcode," and he's like, "What do I do? Go to go to Georgetown. Just go, go to the, the Apple, Apple Store." store. Um, just go to the Apple Store. Don't just change the passcode. Change the device. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> to be the most secure. I need a new phone. Okay, Mr. West, here's a new phone. What would you like your passcode to be? Oh, 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 uh, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Still. Yeah. So you, you, uh, the original tweet you sent out was, <laughs> hey, I'm feet from Kanye in the DC Apple Store. And you had pictures of Kanye in the Apple Store. But then it only got weirder. Yeah, and and, and I, I, will, I will say this up front. My my tweets get more typo-ridden as you go through because I'm so confused as to what's going on. <laughs> I mean this. I, I'm a reporter. I'm used to live-tweeting things, but I was so confused about what happened next. So he walks towards the front of the room, and um, and he starts like taking selfies with people, and he stops at the very last table at the front of the Apple store. 
and that's the one that where I started with all the iPhones, so where I needed to be anyway. Yeah. And um, and he kind of leans over to one of the Apple Store employees, and he taps on the table, and he says, "Hey, uh oh, um, <laughs> before I go to Africa, um, which I'm like, I don't, what is that about? He goes, I can I do a keynote right here, and the guy kind of looks at him and kind of like looks away." And then Kanye, g- <laughs> yeah, sir, this is an Apple store. <laughs> and so, and then Kanye like just starts talking to random people. And to be clear, it is never, it is not clear to me whether he ever got permission to do this. Um, but the next thing I know, um, I'm like right next to him. You know, I'm like three feet from him, trying to like take a picture and figure out what's going on. He like he 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 becomes this you know different person all of a sudden because he realizes he has purpose and he just runs and jumps onto the table um, to deliver, I guess, a keynote, as he called it. Um, and it was actually a pretty impressive a jump. keynote? Because he had to... Think about that. <laughs> There's actually some sick plot twist in here. This was, like, orchestrated by Apple because <laughs> they've, like, redone the keynote app on yeah. their yeah. computer. Maybe. Think about the world that you live in when you walk into an Apple store and think that the appropriate thing to do would be to jump onto a table full of iPhones... <laughs> To give a keynote to the customers to... in the store. Yeah. Yep. And he, he's like, it, like it needed to happen. Um, <laughs> and then again, he jumped on the table and somehow missed all of the iPhones. Like he just, his, he swung his legs over it all. And um, I would have knocked every iPhone off the table, <laughs> by the way. First of all, I would have I never. I wouldn't have made it onto the table. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be getting up on a table. Right. Right, but I would have broken everything in the store. But anyway, so he stands up on the table. Your picture. I, I, I need to mention. You've got to follow Jack on Twitter. <laughs> uh, it's Jack M Jenkins on Twitter. Jack M Jenkins. You got to follow Jack on Twitter. Not only for the Kanye content, <laughs> but you're, you're you're a very good tweeter. Otherwise, <laughs> but you. especially for the Kanye content I... today, because the photo. There's a photo of him just. Standing on an Apple Store table. In a postal worker vest. Did you notice this? Yeah. In a weird... Is it like a government issued one? He... I don't Look, know. Is that legal? He also <laughs> dressed up in a Perrier bottle when he like performed <laughs> on Saturday true. Night Live. That's true. Like I, I, his fashion choices are questionable. It's it's, a, it's an eclectic mix. It's a look. Um, it's a look. I couldn't pull it off. Yeah. So I'll note that like I did have a moment. So. My, my day job is I'm a religion reporter, and I had a moment where I was sitting there thinking, should I try to interview him? And then I remembered that the last time, I like or like a week ago, he was just referring to himself as God, and I couldn't figure out how to begin that conversation. I would love to just hear that. Yeah. Uh, Mr. West, um, <laughs> uh, last week you referred to yourself as God. Yeah. <laughs> So, before I could get, make, get, get together my thoughts to try to begin that question and answer session, he's on the table, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah. So then, so then he's, he's, he starts explaining um, why he, what he actually wants to talk about, which is that apparently, and this is, I pieced this together, and my frantic tweets don't totally encompass it, he made a hat that says, instead of Make America Great Again, which is the red hat's been wearing for a couple of weeks He's been wearing now, now yeah. Um, which he wasn't wearing in the store. He was wearing some other purple hat. Yeah, I couldn't read what it said on the hat. What is it? It's, it was like X something okay. something. I don't I don't know. I don't, right. um, and uh, But he said he had gotten another hat that instead of saying Make America Great Again, it said Make America Great. 
which he explained that the again was harmful to African-Americans and that he had gotten Trump to wear said hat. And apparently TMZ has since reported on this. They've got the photographs to prove it. Um, and uh, because in order to make sense of this moment, I had to go read TMZ. Um, the Apparently he had, he had gotten President Trump to wear that hat. And he was explaining to the crowd that that showed that Trump was open to dialogue or to, to, to uh, change, as mm-hmm. it were. And then he sh- held up his phone and was showing that he had a picture of Trump wearing the hat. Um, and uh, and and then and it was very it was one of those moments where the crowd was this mixture of people who were super excited that they were seeing Kanye West and super confused about what was happening. Um, and you can see that in the pictures that I took um, where you have like these reactions of people who are either like super giddy or just kind of like have a confused look because it just wasn't totally clear. Um, and then it was only the whole speech lasted maybe 15, 30 seconds. My phone, because it, you know, I need a new one. I wasn't able to take video. Um, by happenstance, there was in fact another reporter in the room. Oh, really? Um, there was a CNN reporter who also just happened to be there. Uh, <laughs> and so she got a little bit of video, uh, at the tail end, but then he jumped, he finished his speech and then he just jumped off the table and ran out. And apparently the the story goes the reason he referenced Africa earlier apparently he hasn't dropped his new album yet because he need he's, he wants to go record um, some more in Africa vaguely I don't know what section or country in Africa he, um, he wants to go record in but apparently it, it seems as though he was leaving D.C. to go um, do that recording session um, so yeah then he left a very confused um, Apple store group the, the, my best part was uh, I, I left this part out when he was coming to the front of the store this that 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 elderly woman who shows up in the photographs you can see her in the photograph <laughs> who was trying to figure out which phone to get looks at the woman she goes um, who is that and she goes and the Apple store employee just kind of looks at her feet and she goes that is Kanye West and I mean this the woman goes oh I've heard of him <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so great. You can see her very excitedly taking pictures with her phone. Oh my god. Yeah. What a surreal experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's just it's the perfect Kanye story because yeah. it makes absolutely no sense. It's a little bit psychotic. Uh and I'm just glad you were there to get it, man. <laughs> well, I will say to this to this day we don't we still don't know really why he was there because the Apple employees wouldn't talk. Uh, yeah, okay. I was going to ask you about how the store reacted, like to his visit. Well, like I remember, you know, the CNN reporter came up to me afterwards, and she was like, "Look, I tried to put like, what did what was he saying? Like, she <laughs> she, she was equally confused, um, and the store was like giddy." But I so I was like, well, I'm going to do a little reporting. So I ro- walk around to the Apple store employees. I'm like, why was he here? Like, what was he doing here? And a couple of them were just kind of like joking around. And then they suddenly realized, like, no, we're not actually supposed to talk about this. So we're not. So they all shut down. So they couldn't say anything. But one of the employees said under his breath, like as he was kind of looking away, he was like, man, I think he was just being extra. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that explains like 90 percent of Kanye West's motivation for anything. I think that's that sums the story up pretty well. Well. Jeez, Jack, I'm glad you were there to catch that. Another day in D.C. Yeah, yeah, just another another day. day Just another day. Our intrepid reporter for Religion News Service, Jack Jenkins, was there to to catch it. (laughs) Um, Well, let's switch gears away from Kanye West. Hard shift. shift. I I don't really know how to do a a segue that doesn't sound really awkward, so I'm just going to move on. There we go. There we go. Uh, (laughs) um, 
you wrote a lot about uh, how faith leaders reacted and how they spoke during the Brett Kavanaugh hearing. Right. Uh, now that Brett Kavanaugh is confirmed to the Supreme Court, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about sort of how the faith leaders and uh, played into that, um, the confirmation hearing. Yeah, so you had ended up breaking down into um, two very different groups. Um, there was uh, there was actually a lot of faith based pushback to the confirmation and um, of Kavanaugh. You had uh, well, I went down to the hill to cover a bunch of these protests. Yeah, um, that were, that just escalated over the course of the week, and you had um, several faith leaders that went down and physically protested as a part of um, you know this the, the resistance, as it were, to his confirmation. You had the head of the Unitarian Universalist Association was there. Some of her um, ministers, as part of the UUA, actually got arrested as a part of this. Um, you had a group of interfaith leaders that had a whole prayer vigil that stood outside the confirmation hearing um, room and like, you know, silently witnessed and kind of, it, it looked like they were kind of um, offering a silent protest as the lawmakers came in and then they went and um, gave some speeches out in the Hart Senate building rotunda. Um, and then you had like large groups like the Interfaith Alliance um, issued a statement, which was breaking precedent for them to oppose a Supreme Court nomination. You had the National Council of Churches, which actually represents, they, they, have, a, they have a bunch of de- denominations that are member groups that, mm. am, that amount to roughly 40 million Christians in the United States that came out hard against him. Mm. So you had a bunch of this faith-based pushback to Kavanaugh. Um, and then you had another group um, that, that, to be honest, I was there for like you know a few days um, looking at the different protests on the ground on the Hill, and there weren't a whole lot of pro-Kavanaugh protesters. But the one day that there were, there were 300 students from Liberty University that had been bussed Man. up by Jerry Falwell Jr. and yeah. his, his university, that giant Liberty University buses, um, and they had showed up to, to be a part of a rally um, that was orchestrated by a grassroots um, grassroots group um, to, to to voice support for Kavanaugh, um, and then you had leaders like Robert Jeffress, Texas pastor and Trump um, faith advisor, who um, he he had issued statements in deep support of Kavanaugh. He said that it, you know you should investigate the Democratic Party for collusion after Kavanaugh was confirmed. He said it was a triumph over of good over evil. Um, so you had a bunch of um, white evangelical Protestant support for Kavanaugh, uh, and I think there was a there was a poll, a Marist poll that was conducted at the tail end of September, and um, they asked a lot of different questions about the Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh confirmation. But one thing they asked was if Christine Blasey Ford's, you know, his his initial accuser, if the allegations against um, Kavanaugh of sexual assault um, by Christine Blasey Ford were true, would you still support him? And most of the demographics they asked, you know, it was pretty low yes yeah. answers to that question, yeah. uh, except for one group. And that was white evangelical Protestants were were 48 percent so that they would still support higher than any other demographic um, Kavanaugh, even if those allegations were true. Thirty six said they wouldn't. And 16 said um, around 16 said that they didn't have an opinion. But 48 percent um, said they would probably still support Kavanaugh. Um, if the allegations were true, you know, it, t- to me, the the thing that you have to remember when you talk about um, evangelicals and evangelical voters and conservative Christians, 
there are a lot of one issue voters around the country on a number of different issues, right? Whether it's gun control or or gay rights or things like that. A lot of conservative Christians are one issue voters. It's all about abortion. Mm. That's it. And uh, it's the it's the end all be all and they will excuse anything to outlaw abortion. Uh, and I think that's really what it came down to because I think they know that now that they have this court, this very conservative court, that they, this is their time. They mm-hmm. want to be alive to see when the uh, Roe versus Wade gets struck down. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's in many ways a lot of these leaders and a lot of these evangelical, white evangelical voters in particular have been consistent in arguing that. I mean, there was yeah. a, a lot of polls early on where they said that, you know, one of the most you know, 80 to 81 percent of white evangelicals showed up in support of Trump. And when asked, you know, one of why um, one of the largest, if not the largest issues um, was the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they voted for specifically for that reason and particularly around abortion. And some of those liberty students actually mentioned that as, as their their chief um, concern regarding Kavanaugh's confirmation. And uh, yeah, it's 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 that that issue particularly for this subset of white evangelicals, uh, permeates and solidifies that voting block. Yeah. Uh, There's a little bit of breaking news this morning, right, as we uh, started the show. Uh, Pope Francis accepted the resignation of Cardinal Donald Wuerl. Mm -hmm. He is the Archbishop of Washington. Uh, This all surrounds his role in two clergy sexual abuse scandals, uh, all about the Mm cover-up with him. Seems like this just never ends. Yeah. So the world stuff, he had already kind of offered his resignation. It was just whether or not yeah, Francis was going to take it. Right. Um, and uh, and he, you know, world was implicated in that Pennsylvania report yep. um, that it broke recently. And, and horrifying what, report. Yes. And and what's really interesting about what's happening right now is it's it's important to note that um, in terms of like what that report uncovered the vast majority of the cases I mean, not just the vast majority like you know almost all of the cases and incidences that showed up in that pennsylvania report of sex, child sexual abuse um it happened long ago or had were, were beyond the statute of limitations yeah. and the catholic church has instituted a bunch of reforms after the spotlight report in 2002 you know once that story broke what really seems to be happening now, though, is while a lot of priests um, and those who had, who, had, who directly had harmed children um, have been put in jail or held accountable for their actions, a lot of the leadership have not. And so the, the arguments about the cover-up, the idea that um, bishops and church leaders moved priests around as opposed to holding them accountable, that's what we're really seeing now is, yeah. um, is, is, is kind of uh, a big reckoning about how the leadership is supposed to um, was supposed to respond to this, and how you know making sure that those accounts, these stories of, of abuse that are horrific, um, not just in Pennsylvania, but you know we now have anywhere from ten to eleven different states that are now launching their own some forms of investigations into dioceses. Um, you know they're both looking at the incidents themselves in these stories, but also the powerful and what they did or did not do to protect children and, and parishioners. Yeah. Um, we only have about two minutes left. Okay. Uh, I, I've made it very clear I have a very complicated relationship with religion. Uh, we've talked about Kanye West. We've talked about some of the bad stories that uh, what what can happen when when religious uh, 
<clears throat> issues sort of turn toxic, I think. Mm-hmm. Here is a good story that you wrote about, uh, about <laughs> Matthew Shepard. Yes. Uh, it was 20 years ago this year that Matthew Shepard was tortured and killed. He was a young gay man. Um, probably the most high-profile incident of anti-gay violence that we've seen here in this country. Uh, He died 20 years ago. Um, People were uh, afraid that his grave site would be, uh, you know, a target for vandalism. And so his remains will now have a new resting place, and they are at? The Washington National Cathedral. I think that story is amazing. Yeah. I think that story is utterly amazing. I was. That's why I was in the Georgetown area yesterday. I was. I was over there and speaking with Bishop Gene Robinson, who is, um, you know, the first openly gay bishop in the Episcopal Church. And and Matthew Shepard was Episcopalian. Yeah. And okay. apparently his family, um, they had a they had a memorial service after he had passed away, and thousand people showed up. But they had had never actually you know interred his ashes anywhere or buried them anywhere because they were concerned, like you said, about them being defaced. And apparently earlier this year they called up Bishop Gene Robinson. Um, and said, look, you know, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of uh, his death. And someone floated to us that maybe the Washington National Cathedral, which has all of this security and you know, all of this ability to protect, um, uh, you know, burial sites, that they might be a place that would accept and protect uh, the ashes of Matthew Shepard. And they said, absolutely. And they hope that it stands as a testament to other Christians to say that you can be welcoming um, and and not fuel the kind of sentiment that leads to anti-gay violence. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very important message. I'm glad you wrote about it, and I'm glad that uh, they did the right thing. Follow him on Twitter at Jack M. Jenkins. Who needs TMZ? You just follow <laughs> Jack M. Jenkins. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you again on this Monday when Bill is back. This is the Bill Press Show.